Awesome. Well, good morning. My name is Sam Payne. I'm the youth pastor here at our Southwood campus. Excited to be over in the 9 a.m. because it happens maybe three or four times a year. I get the joy and privilege of hanging out with our little youth. They're just so sweet. The 7th through 12th graders, well, most of them are sweet. Some of them are crazy. Uh, but if you have kids, you know, you know. Um, but super excited to just be over here this morning as we're hopping into Romans 12. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 12 this morning. We're continuing in our Roman series. We've still got a couple more weeks of it. Uh, but we have a pretty big undertaking this morning because we're going to try to cover all of Romans 12. So hope you brought a packed lunch because we're going to be here for a while. Just kidding. Uh, but we are going to try to cover all of Romans 12. It's going to be great. We're going to spend a lot of times in verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to kind of breeze by the later half of it uh, just for the sake of time and also... Some of the stuff is just really easy to understand, really hard to apply, really easy to understand, kind of hard to apply. Well, as I was prepping, as I was praying and thinking through just Romans 12, for some of you, as you turn there, you're like, oh yeah, I've read this probably countless times. It's a really good passage, really good passage. But as I was praying about it, it reminded me of my wife. And so me and Merritt, we got married a year and a half ago, so this summer will hit two years. And so most of my sanctification in life happens in my marriage. So if, you have, if you're married, you realize that your spouse is probably one of the best tools that God uses to poke and prod and to turn you into a better follower of Jesus. And so I would say after a year and a half of being married, I'm an expert. So come talk to me if you need wisdom, advice. We'll be, we aren't going to lead merge. I had to tell them no. So just, just realize that. Uh, but it reminded me of my marriage for a couple of reasons. One, uh, there is there's a difference between getting married. So there's a difference between getting married and being married. So there's a difference between getting married and being married. Getting married for me and Mayor happened on July 9th, 2022, actually right here on this stage. And so every time that we're up here that I get the joy of preaching, it's this weird flashback memory of watching my lovely bride walk down those doors, walk down the aisle. And it's such a sweet moment. But we got married that day. Our reverend signed a little piece of paper. We made a covenant before the Lord in front of everybody else and the state of Texas approved it. So that's great. But that is getting married. It's a once for all like moment in time. We showed up to our wedding, not being married. We left you're married. It's great. Shut up. Not married. Left. Married. So what does it mean to be married? Well, turns out that's actually a lot harder because if you are married, you realize that there is still a lot of yourself that you bring into marriage. Scripture talks about how the two shall become one. So there's like a oneness. Ephesians 5 talks about how we're to love our wives and our wives submit to the husbands. And so there's elements of even though scripture says that we are one, at least in my experience, me and my wife, it takes a while to start operating as a single unit. In some ways, it's like, okay, great, that's not really that big of a deal. Like for the first couple months, I kid you not, I would autopilot home after work and I would end up in my roommate's, my old roommate's driveway. I wouldn't even go to my own house, right? And so I would just, I've done that for so many years and a couple months in marriage is not gonna like change that. And I'm embarrassed to admit how many times that actually happened where I come to and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to now drive another couple minutes because we live actually a couple blocks away. 
home. There's other aspects of like, okay, it took us a year to get our finances joined. So those, that was super fun. You think some of this stuff like just becomes natural. Turns out it actually takes some work. It took my wife like six months for her to actually take my last name legally, right? She wanted to take my last name, but legally it took a while. So there's this aspect of like, man, getting married is like this once and for all thing that just happened. Being married takes time. Sometimes those times are really good. Sometimes those times are hard. Like for me and Mary, one of our biggest conflicts is how we deal with free time. How we deal with free time. For me, I've always dealt with free time as it's my free time. Why would I share my free time? For Mare, she loves being with people. And so in her mind, her free time was, we get to spend a bunch of time with Sam. And so as I'm like trying to go off and do my own thing, what is my wife doing? Wait, come back. I want to spend time with you. And so it's just like this never-ending just circus route of me running, not running away from my wife, but trying to pursue... (laughs) independence, and my wife is saying, wait, come back, come hang out with me. And so it was, this, it was this funny moment where we realized there are things that we took into our marriage that we probably needed to work on. There's a difference between getting married and being married. Romans 12 talks nothing about marriage. So if you're like, is this a marriage talk? It's not. But what it does talk about, which is something that me and Mary are continually working through, is this fact. What we believe determines how we behave. Now, I have believed that me and Mary are married. For the past year and a half, I believe that. However, my behavior is catching up to my belief. My behavior is catching up to my belief. It takes time. You don't go from being single to married with everything that you are completely changing overnight. See, what we believe determines how we behave. And so even for us here this morning, if the belief is, man, I want to have a good job. I want to have a good job that provides for my family, that provides for my kids. I want to have a good job. The belief is, well, I'm going to study really hard in school. Or the behavior is, I'm going to study really hard in school. I'm going to get a really good job. I'm going to work really good hours so that I can have enough money to support my family, right? So if the belief determines how we behave. And sometimes there's other things like, man, I want to feel accepted in my friend group. That's my belief. I want to feel accepted. I believe that I can be accepted. Therefore, I'm going to do everything and anything to earn that acceptance. Sometimes really good things, sometimes really bad things. See, as we walk throughout the world, as we walk throughout life, there are things that we are doing, there's behaviors that we have that the underlying part of that is an identity statement of who we believe we are. And it's interesting as we get into Romans 12 that Paul is going to poke on that. He's going to poke on that because he's going to say there is aspects of all of Romans 1 through 11 that we just covered over the past semester and a half that Paul is now going to make this giant pivotal change. He's going to make a giant pivotal change from what we believe about God to, okay, well, now what do we do about God? What do we do about God? So what we believe determines how we behave. We'll come back to this. We'll flesh this out a little bit more. So Romans 12, 1 through 2, read with me. It says, therefore, okay, great, let's stop. The first word, therefore. The corny saying, right? What's the therefore, therefore? So if you're joining us for the first time this morning, first off, welcome. We're excited you're here. But 
we got to get you caught up all the way from Romans 1 to 11. Because when Paul says, therefore, he's referring to everything before this moment. Everything before this moment. Paul typically splits up his books between doctrine and duty. So doctrine is the things we believe about God. Duty is what do we do about those things. So for a brief recap, here we go. You ready for the, the really big flyby of the past semester and a half? Here we go. Romans 1 through 3, the first half of the, first, or the third chapter, talks all about sin. Both Jew and Gentile, we are under sin. We are under condemnation. None of us is right. All of us are guilty of sin. We are born into sin. We can't leave sin. We are, we are trapped in our sinfulness. Well, the good news is, Romans 3, second half of 3 through 5, salvation. We're justified by faith. God said, it's not what you do, it's what I did for you. And all you have to do is, in faith, believe. And then it goes on through sanctification. We are swapping places. We take God's righteousness through Jesus. Nothing that we can do, but God makes us righteous through his son. And then sovereignty, we talked about that the past couple of weeks. Israel rejected Jesus, and yet God in his sovereignty still has a plan for them. So Israel is not the church. We're distinct from them, but God has not abandoned them, as we heard last week. God is still using them in his sovereign plan. So now we get to Romans 12 through 6, service. 12 through 6, service. And this is all the practical parts of Romans. It says, based on the doctrines, this is where we are going with it. And so in Romans uh, 12, when it says, therefore I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that's what it's talking about. That this is the mercies of God, the compassion that God has shown us when we don't deserve anything, when we deserve death, and yet God in his goodness and compassion for us sent his son Jesus to die for us. Swap places with us. We deserve death, yet we get life. We deserve hell, yet we get heaven for all those who have put their faith in Jesus. And so this is the mercies of God. And so Paul is basically gonna say, because of what God did in our lives, because of what God did in the book of Romans, we should operate differently. Our lives should look different because of what Jesus did. And so if you're a math person, get ready. Here's a math problem for you. Renewed mind plus renewed life equals renewed worship. So what we believe determines how we behave. And this how we behave part, this is where we're going this morning. So Goner, we're not talking about doctrine anymore. We're talking about what are the practical implications of living out our faith. So renewed mind, renewed life equals renewed worship. So there wasn't a good way since we read left to right. There's not a good way to make this work. So we're actually going to start all the way at the end. So get ready. We're going to talk about renewed worship. So we're starting with the end of the equation. So what do we mean when we say renewed worship? Continue reading with me. Uh, so I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service or spiritual worship. Some of your translations may have that. So what do we do in light of everything that God has done for us? We offer ourselves as a spiritual sacrifice, as a spiritual worship to God. That's what we do. We're going to talk, Paul's going to lay out a couple different ways that we're going to do that. But at the end of the day, this is what our goal is. In light of everything that God has done for us in the past, this is what we are to do. 
says, present your bodies. Bodies talking about the whole of our existence. Uh, sometimes we think, well, our bodies are gross. They're just sinful. They're decayed. They're like just on a downhill slope. But God is talking when he says, present your bodies. He's talking everything that you are. Everything that you think is good is indwelled in where? Your body. Man, if I want to go serve the Lord, how am I going to do that? With my body, right? Our body is a avenue that we can serve the Lord with. And so we're supposed to present these bodies to the Lord as a sacrifice. Now, when you hear that word sacrifice, it should trigger something in the past of sacrifices in the Old Testament. That's what Paul is getting at. He's drawing the conclusion. Now, sacrifice in the Old Testament, right? There are once a, they would like provide a lamb and it would be a forgiveness for sins. And so Paul is using the same imagery for us in our lives as well, except the difference is our sacrifice to the Lord, our sacrifice to the Lord is what? Alive, holy, and pleasing to God. Alive, holy, and pleasing to God. When Old Testament saints would sacrifice lambs, they were gone. They were dead. It was a once thing, and then they had to sacrifice again. For us, what it means as alive is we are continually offering ourselves to the Lord. We're continually saying, God, you are worthy enough. Take me, use me in whatever way you see fit. It's a continual sacrifice to the Lord. It's not for sin and atonement. We have that through faith in Jesus. It is a, out of a right relationship with the Lord, I want to continue giving my body, giving my heart, my soul, my emotion, my attitudes, everything I am to the Lord. Present your bodies as alive, holy, and pleasing to God. We also see this in Romans 6. And do not present your members to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. Our bodies are a temple of the indwelling spirit, and we can use those for good things, righteous things, or we can use them for unrighteousness. So Paul is saying we have a choice. What do we do in response to what God has done for us? We have two pathways. We can present and use our bodies for righteousness unto God, or we can present them for unrighteousness. And the choice is ours. And it's interesting at the end when it says pleasing to God, that this, that phrase brings God into the equation. We're not just doing these things because we're alive. We're doing them because we're holy. We're doing them to please God. Like God enjoys our spiritual worship. Imagine doing something because we're told to do it and the person we're doing it to doesn't even like it. Like God enjoys our worship to him. He enjoys it. It's like, man, are we pleasing God with our lives? Whether we're in work or school, whether we're doing athletics or we're doing our finances or you're in deep conflict with somebody or you're in relational strife with your spouse, man, how are we using our lives as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord continually offering up? So because in light of what God has done for us, what are we to do? We're supposed to offer our bodies as spiritual sacrifices. Well, the next logical question is, well, How? How do we do that? And Paul gives us two kind of main buckets to do this in. Kind of gives us two main buckets. The first one, when we go back to our fun little math equation, our renewed mind. And renewed means to change something. 
So we talk about our mind. Our mind is spent one way, and we're to renew it. We're to change it for something that God has propositioned us for. So let's keep reading. This is in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you got a positive and a negative commandment, right? The negative is do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's talk about the do not be conformed part. Do not be conformed. It's this image of like a mold. So if you were to make Christmas cookies or if you were to make cookies, you have like those little predetermined little cute little Christmas tree things. You're like, ah, your little kids do it. And they're like, look, I made a Christmas tree. It's like, well, they just kind of stamped it down, right? It's like that mold is what scripture is saying, don't conform to it. See, the outside world is going to tell you how to act, how to think, how to be, how to believe, how to behave, all the different things. And yet scripture is saying that's not the mold that we should be conformed to. That is not the mold that we should be conformed to. And this is radical. This is radical. Instead, scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformed word has the connotation of metamorphosis, where a creature, animal, plant, thinking of a caterpillar, like changes in to a beautiful little butterfly. It's like this drastic change. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we go from death to life. There's a drastic change in our life, but sometimes that's not automatically realized. And so over time, where is our trajectory going? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? When we look at ourselves five years ago, what do we say? Wow, look how much that God has done in our lives. Look how much God has done in our lives. Are we being transformed? And say, well, how by the renewing of our mind? By the renewing of our mind. A couple years ago, I decided uh, that I was just done with social media. And so for the past couple years, I've had zero social media outside of YouTube shorts, which is like an older person's version of somewhat TikTok. So I'm relevant, but not really. That's about the only social media I had because what I realized was when I had social media with Instagram, Facebook, there was so much anxiety swelling my life. There was so much anxiety. Not only was I looking and being inundated with everybody's life, and it looked like everything was perfect. I was like, wow, I feel like I have a good life, but actually my life is terrible. My life is terrible compared to these people. They're out in the Bahamas, they're going on all these cool things like, oh, you got married, that's awesome, your pics look great. Wow, things are like really good for these other people. And I would just get so stressed out. But there was a breaking point where I realized the purpose of social media is to like post stuff, to share your life and even be real. I hopped on be real for a little bit, but turns out I was not real because I would stress over every single post I would do. Am I gonna get likes? What are people gonna think about me? Am I gonna be like this cool person that I'm trying to project on everybody to be? And yet I realized it's not helpful. So I just said, well, my only solution, I guess, is to not do it because I can't moderate it. And so I haven't. I haven't done any social media. I've been living in a cave world. My main influence on how the world is going is through my wife. And she'll say, hey, did you know this? I was like, nope. She goes, okay, well, that happened. Great. That's cool. I'll be sure to talk with them. I know it's been a year since it happened, but I'll go talk with them, right? But for me, that was a way for me to renew my mind because the things that we input, the things we give into our brain start forming the things that we believe and behave. 
So what, church, what is impacting our realities? We also see this in Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the spirit. I don't think social media inherently is wrong. For me, I cannot control the deep-seated anxieties that came with it. And so for me to input something else other than social media was super helpful to my walk with the Lord and just my general outlook on life. I would much rather be completely blind and ignorant to a ton of things that happened than so focused and stressed out on my anxieties by what I'm putting on through my brain, through my phone. And so that's just been one of the ways that the Lord's convicted me just over the past even couple years of how I'm wired. It says, but those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. And we keep driving as we keep reading in Romans 12. It says, all of this is so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good, well-pleasing, and perfect. We renew our mind so that we may test and approve and see what God's will is. Oftentimes we ask, man, what is God's will for my life? And I believe that God has a very specific will, a very specific lane that he has gifted you to run in, but oftentimes it's hard for us to see it. And I think the closer we are to Jesus, the closer we are to renewing our mind, the more clearly we can see what God's will is. And we ask oftentimes, what is God's will? And in this, what this verse is saying is that God's will is what is good, what is well-pleasing and perfect. If it fits those categories, that is God's will. So what are areas of our life, what are avenues that we live in, what are different ways that we go about the world? And we say, man, how am I using God's will in this moment? What is good, what is well-pleasing, what is perfect? It's almost like this. Imagine that I'm a painter. And I painted this beautiful work of art and I'll show it up on the screen. And imagine you as the audience have to determine what I am painting. And I said, okay, great. Here's my painting. Let's talk about it. Great. We see it. Some of you guys may actually get it. I can't even, I can barely even see it from back here all over there. You can see it's a rectangle. It's got some blues. Probably got a couple other, maybe like a yellow thing in there. But if I were to say, okay, well, let's just all get closer. So instead of having you guys all come on the stage with me, I'll just move it to y'all, right? Van Gogh, Starry Night. Wow, so beautiful. But imagine our relationship with God and his will is like that painting. If we're far away, it's really hard to determine the different curves, the different colors, the different avenues that a painter paints. But as you get closer, you can see all the individual brush strokes. You can see all the different colors. You can see all the different ways that makes a painting a painting. In the same way, the more we renew our mind, the more we believe in what God is doing in our life, the closer we can see his will and the closer we can follow and be more and more like Jesus. So a couple of diagnostic questions. What key things are influencing your mind? If you had to go throughout your day, what are the things that you're like, man, when I'm stressed, when I'm hungry, when I'm frustrated, these are the things that I naturally gravitate towards. These are the things that provide me abilities to cope. These are things that I would deem as, these are really important in my life. So what are key things that are influencing your mind? And how can I renew those? 
For some, it may just be, I need to moderate, and I need to make these more approachable before the Lord. For some, it may need, I just need to get rid of it. And oftentimes, it's easier to swap something than to just get rid of something. So my challenge and encouragement is, what can you swap Scripture with this week? What is something you can swap Scripture with? See, what we believe determines how we behave. If we believe that God, in his mercy, has done so many things for us, we should act in spiritual worship to him. Well, how do we do that? How do we behave? It's renewing our mind. The rest of Romans 12 stems from the renewal of our mind. So what we believe determines how we behave. All right, renewed life. So get ready. This is where the the speedboat's coming in. We're going to go through this stuff pretty fast. There's a lot. Renewed life, broken up into two kind of categories that Paul kind of talks us with. First first one, unity, not uniformity. So we're going to talk about spiritual giftings within the church. Second one, love without hypocrisy. It's going to talk about our relationships with other believers, but also our relationships with the outside world. So here we go. We're going to cover a lot of verses real quick. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought, but to think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. So we have this huge moment where Paul is saying, hey, remember all the doctrine, remember all the things God did? Okay, great, renew your mind. Well, what's one of the ways you can do that? It's interesting that the first thing he talks about is pride. Pride. Pride is really hard to care for other people when all you can think about is yourself. It's really hard to be outward focused and outward caring for other people when all you're thinking about is yourself. And it's interesting that Paul talks about spiritual giftings, which once we have put our faith in Jesus, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we get a gift, we get gifts that we can now serve and use in the body of believers. In this twisted part that Paul's talking about is even something that God gives us that we don't deserve, we didn't earn, we didn't do anything to get, we twist it and say, look at me and look at my giftings. Look at me, look at my giftings, which leads to pride. So he's saying, hey, don't have pride, have humility. Care for other people. So he goes on and saying, for just as one body, we have many members and not all the members serve the same function. Again, what I love about Paul is the illustrations and imagery he uses make sense. Right? If we're talking about my body, I'm Sam. This is my body. My toe is not Sam. It's part of Sam, but it's not Sam. But everything plays a part for the greater and whole of the person. If you've ever broken your arm or stubbed your toe, you realize that those individual members are a part of your body because you start freaking out about them. When you hurt your arm, you're like, oh, gosh. And then the rest of your body is like overcompensating for it. And so Paul is saying, hey, each of us are individual members, but we serve the greater whole in the same way that our body has individual members, but we serve the greater whole. Why? For the purpose and service of the whole. Purpose and service of the whole. If you've ever seen like people go to the gym and they only exercise biceps, right? The rest of their body looks kind of funny and goofy, but they got these massive arms. That's what we're talking about. The whole person matters rather than each individual part. And just like in the body of Christ, each of us matter, but we are going towards the whole. And it's crazy because we have this in verse six and it says this, and we have different gifts according to the grace given 
to us. I am Sam, y'all are not Sam. Praise the Lord. My wife would say we don't need more of me, right? We all have different giftings. We all have different aspects. We all contribute to the whole Grace Bible Church. We all contribute to the whole Southwood. We all contribute to the whole of the global and local church. There's another passage in 1 Peter 4 that says this, just as each one has received a gift, talking about our spiritual giftings, use it to serve one another as a good steward of the very grace of God. God is the one who's given these gifts. They originate with him for the purpose of others. So why did God give us these gifts? Man, to serve other people. They're not for me. They're not for ourselves. They're for others. So how are we renewing our mind? We're renewing our mind by thinking of ourselves with sober judgment because we can swing the other way and say, I'm so useless. God doesn't, I just, you know, I'm not as good in my giftings as other people. Man, feel secure in what God has gifted you. Feel secure in that. But also don't overplay because other people are needed in the body of Christ. And so Paul lists out a bunch of different gifts. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, but one of the gifts he says, if it's prophecy, which is like foretelling, so discerning God's will and then impacting it on humanity. Uh, individual must use it in proportion to his faith. If it's service, which is like serving within the church, let him serve. If it's teaching, teaching spiritual truths about God, let him teach. If it's exhortation, which is encouragement, let him encourage. If it's contributing, which is like giving to others, uh, he must do so with sincerity. If it's leadership, he must do so with diligence. If it's showing mercy, caring for other people, he must do so with cheerfulness. See, there's different gifts, and this is just one of a couple in the New Testament that give different giftings for different people. In church, hear me when I say, praise the Lord that we are all different, that we have unity but not uniformity, that we all can promote the local and global church, but we do that differently. Imagine, church, you walk in, imagine you walk in and all of our encouragers are gone. Man, that sounds like a pretty terrible place to be. Imagine you walk in and all the teachers are gone. You just have a bunch of people just looking at an empty stage, looking at an empty classroom. Imagine, church, what happened if none of us played the role that God has given us. And again, not for ourselves, but for the benefit and sake of others. But showing mercy, you must do so. All these different gifts. I remember uh, past couple months, we've had some of our eighth grade guys. They're in a discipleship relationship with one of our leaders. And so they've actually been coming up to church to do some stuff. And one of the leaders approached me and said, hey, the guys want to serve. They want to serve. I was like, cool. So a couple weeks ago, we had a ton of burgers and hot dogs. And these guys were grilling up a storm for our small groups. And it was so fun. It was so fun. Not only because that's something our staff typically does, so we didn't have to necessarily do that. That freed us up to do other things. But they got to serve within their giftings and experience what it means to serve other people. And so in the middle of the parking lot, they're just flipping burgers for other people. And it was great. It was so fun. God gives us gifts, gives us different opportunities to use those gifts. So are we as a church using the gifts that God has given us for his glory? So some diagnostic questions. Do I know the gifts that God has given me? Do I know the gifts? It's hard to operate and it's hard to use the gifts that God has given you if you don't necessarily know. 
And so if you go on our website, they have a, we have a spiritual gift assessment form, which is great. You can take that. You can kind of figure out some of the stuff. What I would encourage you to do if you're sitting here wrestling with this, you're like, man, I don't even know the gifts that guys give me. Take that assessment form and then ask other people that are close to you. Because not only is it great for you to self-identify, yeah, I think these are good gifts. People around you closest, they'll also be able to identify if that's your gift. And it's good. So if you're like, man, do I know the gifts that God has given me? Second thing, am I satisfied in those gifts? See, part of the problem that Paul is addressing in Romans is that they're either coveting other people's gifts as saying, wow, I wish I had that gift, or they're saying, man, I'm so glad I have my gift because I do not want to do that, right? And I think just in general, our sinful nature looks at certain gifts and say, those are the ones that are better. That's not true. All of our gifts, God is giving us, regardless of what we do to get them. You got to say, and all of us have a role and a part to play in the church. So am I satisfied in those gifts? Am I okay with the gifts that God has given me? And am I operating those gifts? Whether in an official role or in an unofficial role, man, if your gift is encouraging, man, for the sake of everyone, encourage. If your gift is teaching, for the sake of everyone, teach. Man, God has gifted us, each one of us, opportunities and roles and pathways. And some of us, we may just need to start doing it. And you can check out all of our ministries. We have tons of, like, ways to serve with us. There's a, there's a serve form online, grace-bible.org. That's another way to get involved. But whether you do so in an official thing or in an unofficial thing, man, use the gifts that God has given you. Use the gifts. Because the rest of the body suffers when we don't. The rest of the body suffers when we don't. See, what we believe determines how we behave. If we believe that God has given us these gifts, how should we behave? And by using the gifts that God has given us. By using those gifts. What we believe determines how we behave. Okay. This one's going to go even faster. So the second part, love without hypocrisy. Okay, this is why this is going to go really fast. Because this part, verses 9 through 21, is super weird. And it's not weird in the sense of like, I don't understand what that means. That's weird. It's weird in the sense of Paul just changes and rapid fires command after command after command. If I did my math right, it's like 28 of them. So for us to sit here and talk about every single one, we're going to be here for a while. So we're going to read through them. You're going to feel the like pain and pressure of what Paul is calling us to do. And we're going to briefly kind of talk about it. So Love without hypocrisy. We say that because that's the best general title we can have for this whole section. It's the best general title. Because all of these gifts, whether explicitly or implicitly, revolve around love. And love, not in the sense of I'm doing this, I'm loving you so that I can get something else out. I'm doing this, I'm loving you for the sake of loving you. That's what we mean by love without hypocrisy. There's no ulterior motive. There's no other thing going with it. So love without hypocrisy. The first part... 9 through 13 talks about within the church. The rest of it talks about outside the church. So buckle up, get ready. Here we go. We're going on a ride, and it's all commands from Paul. So here we go. Uh, Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honor in one another. Do not lag in zeal. Be enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in suffering. Persist in prayer. Continue to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. 
It's rapid fire. No explanations, no nothing. Just a ton of commandments that Paul gives us because of what it means to walk in a renewed lifestyle. So we talk about renewed mind, we talk about renewed life equals our spiritual worship. So all of these, we daily should strive to give these to the Lord as our sacrifice to him because of what God has done in our life. So these are all within the church. We ready for some more? Here we go. All right, Romans 12, 14 through 21. Here we go. Uh, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. Let's see where I? Uh, yep. Go. Do not repay. Beep, 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 beep. See, I even got lost. There's too many of them. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Consider what is good before all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be peaceable with all people. Be peaceable with all people. Uh, do not avenge yourself. Dear friends, but give place to God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, if, you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing this, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So you can probably get a couple sermons just off of this list, a couple sermons off of this. So this morning for us, what I really wanna do so we talk about ways in the church and also with the outside world is just answering a couple of questions as we look at that list. As we look at that list. Is there a certain command that sticks out to you? Is there a certain command that sticks out to you? Maybe you read it and you're like, ooh, yeah, I can see the Lord kind of just drilling down a little bit with that one. Maybe a better way to put it is, is there a cer- certain command that you wish you could highlight with a black highlighter in your Bible, right? And basically just skip over it. It's not my Bible, right? So is there a command that you're like, I wish this wasn't actually in there? Lord may be saying something in that moment. So is there a certain command in this list that is causing you to like either get stressed or you're like dwelling about, or maybe there's even a moment you came in this morning and you said, man, Sam, I'm dealing with this one aspect. And you look down and it turns out, Paul addresses it specifically. So this is our attempt to cover a ton, 28-something commands in a very short amount of time. Is there a certain command that sticks out to you? And what is something this week that you can grow in that area? What is something this week that you can grow in that area? So this morning, renewed mind plus renewed life equals renewed worship. Unity, not uniformity. Love without hypocrisy. Church. Because of the mercies that God did, because of the mercies of what God did, we now can offer our lives as a living spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. It starts with our renewed mind, starts with our renewed life, and it turns into renewed worship. So my prayer, my hope as we wrap up, as the band comes back up, is for us to just dwell on that. What are areas in, our, in my mind that I can input spiritual wisdom, spiritual input rather than conforming to the world? Is there something in my life, whether I'm being prideful in my giftings or if there's one of those commands that stood out, is there something in my life that, God, I feel like you are already drilling down on? 
See, it's great to talk about doctrine. It's great to talk about the things and the way that God is moving and has done stuff for us. But when we get to Romans 12, it switches into something super practical. See, church, what we believe determines how we behave. What we believe determines how we behave. And my encouragement and my hope, even this morning, is that you would join me on this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus, continuing to change what I believe about God and having my actions catch up to my beliefs. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write. And God, we just pray, Lord, as we continue to walk out this morning, as we continue to live in the world that you've created, God, that you would renew our mind and you would renew our life. God, so out of what you did for us in the past, God, we can offer our lives to you. God, change some faulty beliefs in our life. God, give us avenues and opportunities to behave in a way that is consistent with your gospel. So Lord, we just pray, even in this moment, even right now, God, may you convict and point to a certain area in our life, God, that you want us to change in. Because of your mercy, because of what you've done in the past, God, you have given us a future with you. God, may we live and operate and walk in that newness of life. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.